Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. It's always a great pleasure to me to be able to come back to some familiar scripture readings, those that have a particular significance for me individually. Our gospel reading today was just such a reading. In my early 20s, after I graduated from college, I was, um, I was caught up into some, into some dangerous living, you could say. And, you know, my life was at a real turning point. And I got into some, um, I got into some habits that were, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't, they, they, they were dangerous, let's just say. And one of those habits was um, every night before I went to bed, or after I went to bed, I would lay there and I would open up the Bible and I would, I would read from it. If you want your life to stay the same, don't do that. If you want your life to remain just the way it is, make sure you never fill your mind and your imagination with the word of God before you have asleep. My experience was that I would come across things and they would rattle around in my, in my head as I lay there waiting for sleep to come. And just this very gospel passage was one that after I turned off the light and laid there waiting for sleep, began to provoke a question in me. What if that's true? What if it's really true that when you give up your life for God, and you sacrifice something, you receive a hundredfold in this life and eternal life in the life to come. That started a process for me that I, I really eventually had to take seriously, and that's part of the reason why I'm standing here in front of you today, why we know each other's names, at least in passing, and why those of you that I know better, why we've crossed paths at least for a little while. Seems like a pretty good wager, doesn't it? A hundredfold? From time to time, um, the scriptures overwhelm with richness, things on which we could comment. Today's one of those days. Readings from the Book of Wisdom, this reflection on the futility of so much of our human life, that all the good things that, that anyone would, would describe as enviable to possess, the scriptures trade in favor of, of wisdom. I would bargain anything. Possessions, honor, power, light itself for wisdom. I was reminded, just a friend of mine was in town I, I like watching Shakespeare, I like introducing people to Shakespeare, and so I showed him a, a series of films. And in one of those films, the great King Richard II is laying in a dungeon after having been deposed, trying to console himself. He's hours away from being assassinated in that dungeon, realizing that his successor has completely displaced him and that he had been fooling himself all his life, that he had no power, he had no riches, he had uh, nothing because all of it was taken away from him. He was powerless to defend himself. And there's a line, one of the last lines he says in the play, whate'er I be, nor I nor any man that but man is, with nothing shall be pleased till he, till he be eased with being nothing. 
Shakespeare is full of biblical wisdom. It's also full of human wisdom. This is a human thing to realize how fleeting all of our pleasures and all of our possessions, all the things that we assure ourselves make us who we are, how fleeting all of that is. But of course, Christians know that that's not the final answer. We're not, we're not just worm food. We're also chosen by an eternal father who calls to us, beckons to us, and has created us for life eternally with him, perfect happiness with him. And that our nothingness that we accept in wisdom here on earth is one that leads to fullness and glory in the life to come. And that we even begin to taste that here. Today, you may have caught the headlines that our Holy Father Pope Francis has canonized several new saints. The great Oscar Romero, Archbishop of San Salvador, a martyr to the faith, martyred during the celebration of Mass by an assassin, shot him at the altar from the back of the church back in 1980 for his defense of the poor, for his kind of prophetic alliance with the poor and with the weakest of his society, trying to, to speak the truth of the gospel into a, a very difficult situation, one that eventually led to a civil war, the loss of many lives, a terrible story, but one in which he exemplified a heroic virtue and was, was a leader. We also canonized today Pope Paul VI. Pope Paul VI, one of Pope Francis's predecessors, was influential for many reasons. We talked a lot about his encyclical Humanae Vitae in the last year or so, this being the 50th anniversary of its release. Uh, but also in terms of evangelization, he wrote an encyclical Evangelii Nunciandi, talking about the need to evangelize, that the mission uh, of the church goes on, despite the fact that um, you know, missionaries have, have covered the face of the earth and that there hardly is a, is a place on earth where, where Christianity has not yet been, been preached. His insistence is that, uh, no, in fact, we, we have our work cut out for us, that in some respects we have to re-evangelize those places that have long been considered Christian, that there in many of those countries, Europe, the West, the outward form of Christianity remains, but the life of faith has weakened. That missionaries have to be sent, yes, to those faraway places, but most of all, we need to, we need to be on mission here in our own society. That there are many who, who, who know nothing of the Lord. And that as glamorous or as, as influential as those outward institutions, those institutions may be, they are hollow at times, frequently. Pope John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, and Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI took this up with great fervor as well, pointing out, as Pope Benedict did, that the conversion of the ancient world to Christianity was not the result of some planned activity on the part of the church. It was the fruit of the proof of the faith as it became visible in the life of Christians and of the community of the church. That's what converted the Roman Empire. The apostasy of the modern age, Pope Benedict continued, it rests on the disappearance of the verification of faith in the life of Christians. And this is to be seen the great responsibility of Christians today. They should be reference points of faith as people who know about God. 
who, should, who in their lives demonstrate the faith as truth and should thus become signposts for others. The new evangelization we need so urgently today is not to be attained with cleverly thought out ideas, but with authenticity, with saints. This is something that we have to be reminded of again and again. All of us in some way still need to be drawn more deeply into our identity as adopted sons and daughters of God. And all of us know dozens, if not hundreds more in our lives that need it even more desperately. But we begin here. In our gospel reading today, we hear the proclamation of this invitation to surrender our lives completely to God, this conversation with the rich young man. And I know we've all heard homilies about that before, where we, we identify how this is a call that there's only one thing lacking for this young man to enter into a, a life completely surrendered to God. He finds himself unable, too weak to surrender that, and so ends up more or less walking away and doing so crestfallen, saddened. And I think it's certainly a helpful way to see that gospel reading, but I suggest perhaps another way to see it, that that rich young man, yes, he goes away sad, but he's actually in a very good place because he knows what's being asked and he knows that he still lacks something. Sadness in the Christian life, it shows up. It shows up a lot. But that sadness can come from two sources. One, the source of my own weakness and sinfulness. And two, the awareness that I'm longing for something that far surpasses what I presently am am capable of and that I desire, that I desire on a very deep level. That sadness That's an important thing that we should always keep close to us. Great sadness is the result of a life lived with awareness. This desire for an absent good. When I feel this deep sadness at a a fundamental level of my heart, it's because I desire something infinitely good that can never be taken away, that I can never lose. Not to confront that fundamental sadness, that fundamental ache or longing. That's to live in a kind of despair. I'm concealing this, I'm distracting myself from it. But with that sadness, a kind of spark happens. And what's awakened is what um, some contemporary theologians and, and spiritual teachers call the religious sense. This is where I begin to awaken to what's actually going on. We're not made for this world. We're on pilgrimage. We're not there yet, and so we have to continue. We have to leave behind what we've achieved, perhaps, our comforts, and pursue something deeper, something more lasting, something that God himself can give. This is the call. This is the reminder that we have to that, we have, to have in order to be able to Follow Jesus. Our Holy Father in the homily canonizing the, the saints, Oscar Romero, Paul VI, and, and several others, five or uh, I think seven total, he said, Come, don't stand still. It's not enough to just not do evil in order to be with Jesus. 
There's, there's great wisdom in that statement. It's not enough to just not do evil in order to follow Jesus. The rich young man doesn't ask, what must I avoid in order to gain eternal life? He asks, what must I do? It's something positive I have to pursue. Sometimes we can think, well, I don't do drugs. I'm not a racist. I'm not some kind of sexual predator. I'm an open person. I go to church. That that means I'm following Jesus. Well, to go to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. There's something about my interior life, the way I live, that has to verify that choice. It's very different to avoid bad things than it is to cultivate good things. I can't become a signpost, like Pope Benedict was saying, I can't become a signpost for other people by a process of just eliminating evils either in myself or in the world around me. As important as that may be, I can't become a signpost in that way any more than I can become a gardener and cultivate flowers by simply pulling up weeds. Our Holy Father, Pope Francis continues, follow me, says the Lord. Do not walk behind Jesus only when you want to, but seek him out every day. Don't be content to keep the commandments or to give a little alms or to say a few prayers. Find in him the God who always loves you. Seek in Jesus the God who is the meaning of your life. The God who gives you strength to give of yourself. For me, this has been a chance for renewal recently. Listening to a radio show, I was hearing some testimonies from people who were going through the 12-step program and we're in the process of recovery from alcoholism. And one woman on that show talked about how every day she had to find a reason not to drink. That every day she had something that she had to look forward to, to hold on to, so that she wouldn't slip back into her old ways. And I found that actually really helpful. What is it that I want to do today, that I want to be aware and conscious to be able to enjoy as best I can that I will miss if I sin, that I will miss if I ignore God, that I will miss if I live as if he didn't exist. What is that for you today? What's your reason? What don't, what don't, what don't you want to miss in the coming day that you will miss if you're not in a state of grace, if you're not listening, if you're not in harmony with the Lord? That's the invitation of the gospel today. That's the invitation, the challenging invitation, the befuddling invitation of the lives of the saints who we celebrate and give thanks for today. St. Oscar Romero, pray for us. St. Paul VI, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.